It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217 356 9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217 351 5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are courtside at the State Farm Center, where in three hours, the Illini will take on Rutgers Scarlet Knights here in a key Big Ten game. Illinois with a chance to move into second place in the Big Ten standings with a win today. We'll talk a lot about that coming up. The phone line is open, 356-9397. Lauren Tate is here. Ed Bond is here. Brian Barnhart's in the house as well. And the team has been out for an early walkthrough, if you will, before breakfast. As they get said, Lauren, for this ballgame today against Rutgers and this game last year turned out to be a pretty good game. Went to overtime and Georgie Bashanasvili with... A freshman record of 35 points in that game last year. Absolutely. He went crazy in that. You know, uh, they've really worked hard for this game. They had a long, hard, tough practice yesterday. And then to get up at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock this morning and come here for a 6 o'clock workout or, I mean, just a shoot around. But that's a lot of uh, a lot of work, <laughs> it seems to me. I'd, I'd rather be in bed <laughs> resting to get ready for this game. But they've been out here and, uh, and already, you know, they're already here and in the – arena and and uh, probably getting a little something to eat right now i think and or was a few minutes ago well they're kind of used to that kind of schedule they practice routinely in the morning yep and uh, routinely at 7 a.m but rutgers is flying in no practice just come out and play yeah i mean they're they could have practiced this morning i guess if they wanted to but uh they elected not to they didn't come in yesterday to practice no they came no they did not practice they practiced at home i see back at rutgers and a then, lot of teams and then do they that. flew yeah and then they flew in there i don't <laughs> You know, I'm. I just don't think that you need to have this much practice. But that's just me. I've I've always felt like you should uh, do do what Rutgers is doing. Just come in and play the game. And in football, it used to be all the time the coaches would go to the stadium on Friday when they got to town. But mm-hmm. they don't do that much anymore. No. Well, it was the old thought that you got to check out the field. You know, you want right. to. Well, you can check out the field for the game. Go out there. That's when you find out what there's, the field is like. There's plenty of time. You're there three hours before the game starts or whatever. Yeah. You can do it then. One Big Ten game last night, uh, and guess what? The home team won. No kidding. 27-4 uh, now, Steve. Yep, Iowa over Maryland, 67-49. Maryland ranked number 12 in the country. And what did you say, 27-4? and 27-4, the home team has won 27 out of 31 Big Ten games. Now, that isn't the most unbelievable statistic. It doesn't matter who plays where, and the home team has been winning. Uh, Joe Wieskamp with 26 points. Uh, Luca Garza had 21 in that ball game, and Iowa improves to 2-3. and three. Maryland falls to 3-2. and two. So with the, the way the standings look, and I realize it's still early, but you got to start jockeying for position from the get-go. A win today would be the fourth in Big Ten play for the Illini and move them to 4-2 and two in the league. That would be in second place, at sure least would. at the moment and throughout the weekend. So it's a big game, no doubt. And winning that game at Wisconsin was huge. Getting a win on the road, one of only four, as you mentioned. They've, they've almost got one and a half, don't they, <laughs> with that Maryland game that uh, maybe they should have gotten out of there with. But uh, you got that win on the road, but you, it doesn't mean anything if you don't 
protect home court today. Exactly. You got to protect home court. Uh, they've got a one point loss and a one point win on the road. Right. And actually, Illinois has, you know, although the Michigan State game was basically a rout by uh, by the time it was over, uh, Illinois has played better on the road than a lot of teams. Certainly better than Maryland did last night. They don't know what hit them at, at Iowa. Michigan State is five and zero. Rutgers is three and one. Maryland now three and two. Illinois three and two. So a win today would give Illinois a fourth win and make them four and two. And they're a slight favorite in this ball game here today. Actually. Um, favored by five in this game on their home court. But Rutgers, take away Michigan State, Rutgers is the hottest team in the league. Yeah, yeah. what's it, six in a row? Yep. Yeah, well, Rutgers is, is going to be hard to deal with. I mean, there's no question that they're getting a tremendous play, and, and it's it's team play. It's hard to know exactly what to concentrate on. I mean, they've, they've, they're balanced. They're playing without the, one of their best players, maybe, yeah. maybe their best, the Geo Baker. Yeah. He's got a a hand injury. You know, the, the, when the season ended last year, they looked like they'd be pretty good this year. And then the center up and leaves for Oregon, where he's currently sitting out a year, uh, not because of a transfer, but because of an injury. So oh, they lost their leading scorer and their leading rebounder, and yet, and now here they are without Geo Baker, and yet they're, we consider them just as good as anybody else, basically anybody else except Michigan State. Right now you have to give Michigan State the edge on, over everybody. I was kidding with you before we went on the air. Are they ever going to play a road game, Michigan well, State? They've played uh, four out of five at home, but it'll catch who, up with them. And they played the one road game at Northwestern, exactly. which is the one team that uh, is apparently not up with, with the rest of it. Yeah, they haven't gotten that. Although Northwestern should have beaten Indiana they the other should. day. They had a 10-point lead midway in the second half, 50-40. to 40. I, I looked at that score, and I thought, well, they're going to win the game, aren't they? Yep. And Indiana rallied at that point and pulled it out by four. But uh, Indiana's not playing really well, and, and uh, they're, uh, they're really upset about what's happening over there. And, of course, uh, Steve, you've got uh, Indiana playing Ohio State at home and, and a lot of talk about will Bob Knight come out and join all the players that are being honored. He did play at Ohio State. He did coach at Indiana. It's a perfect situation. He lives in Bloomington. What do you think? Will he come out? He's not saying, is he? He, no, no. he hasn't said all along. No, he hadn't said a word. A lot of people have said a word for him, projected and guessed and, you know, try to guesstimate what he's going to do, and I don't know what he'll do. I don't know how you guesstimate No, can't that. predict. No, but I think it'd be nice if he did. I think it's time oh, yeah. that he did something like that. Absolutely. Uh, that game gets going at the same time in the Illinois-Rutgers game at 11. Two other games on the uh, Saturday schedule. Wisconsin is at Penn State. And uh, Penn State is about a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that ball game, And Nebraska plays at Northwestern at 3.30. Two more games tomorrow. Michigan State does go on the road tomorrow, and they go to Purdue. So that could be a tough one for them. And Michigan plays at Minnesota. That's the uh, Big Ten men's basketball schedule. The Illini women are in this building uh, tomorrow afternoon against Minnesota at 2 o'clock. Illinois wrestling opened the Big Ten season last night. Uh, tough one. They jumped out early on Penn State. You know, they performed better than I thought they would. That's the number four team in the country, Penn State. And, uh, you know, they, they got 16 points to 22. That's not not terrible. They, now they got Indiana here tomorrow. They should beat Indiana. Illinois uh, ranked 18th in the country. And as Lauren mentioned, Penn State is number four. 22-16 was the final. Illinois won four of the first six bouts. But that doesn't always tell you 
everything. It just depends on where they, where you start and, and how you get started. But uh, I don't think uh, Jim Heffernan would be too disappointed uh, with the way his guys battle. I think that. they pre performed pretty well considering what they were up against. Let's go back to basketball. Coming up on the show uh, here, we're with you until 9.30, and that's when Illini game day starts. But we'll hear some comments from Brad Underwood. We'll also uh, sit down and talk things over with assistant coach Orlando Antigua. Again, the phone line is open if you'd like to join us, 356-9397. Coming up at 8.30, Holly Stalkup, who used to run things in this building and at uh, Memorial Stadium. She was an events uh, manager here. She is now the gal at the uh, college football playoff championship game, which is Monday night. She is the game and stadium director of operations. Holly will take a few minutes to uh, spend with us at 8.30 by phone. And we'll find out uh, what her uh, week has been like and what it's like. This will be her first championship game since taking that job back in April. Illinois and Rutgers here today. As we mentioned, Rutgers uh, on a six-game winning streak, playing very confidently. The Illini with that uh, win at Wisconsin by one. What's your thoughts on the Illinois rotation right now? Do you like the way things are going at you and I texted. No, well, that's not fair to ask me that, Steve, because you know I don't. I, I know, but, but I, I guess it doesn't matter whether we do. No, does it? it doesn't matter at all. I mean, I think I think that uh, that Brad's got his own ideas on how he wants to do things, and and you know they they run counter the way I would do it, but that's okay. I mean, he it's his team, and and uh, he's he's getting seems to be getting more success from it of late. He's certainly playing better defense. He's certainly keeping the other team off the free throw line better than he did a year ago. Way way better, by the way. And uh, I I just I'm I'm a guy that would you know I I have this feeling and I can't get rid of it. When the other team put their substitutes in, that's when I think we got a chance to move. So how? why would I be supportive of us putting our substitutes in? <laughs> I think we should start our best players and keep them in. That's the way I that's, – that's just an old-time belief that I that I, I think you got four-minute timeouts all the time. you got plenty of time to rest. you got re you rest during free throws. You can call your own timeouts. You can keep your players fresh. And that's what Krzyzewski does, and he's been fairly successful. <laughs> Well, Alan Griffin has been fairly successful yeah. in his last handful of Off games. Off the bench, right. Yep. His average now for the season is up to just under 10 points a game, and his minutes are at 17. You'd like to see about 10 more hooked onto that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Per game. Yeah, I, I'd be playing him all the time. I just th think you got to. Now, I understand the foul problems that, that can crop up, but I, I, I kind of like I like the, the smaller lineup. I like the idea of going with uh, uh, alternating Georgie and Kofi for the most part. Uh, as opposed to playing them together. I, that's just me. But I think that a lot of people would disagree, and, and I think there's a disagreement all the way along the line on how how he should play these guys because uh, he's playing Williams extensive minutes and starting him, and Williams is virtually a, a, a non-scorer. I mean, if he gets a basket in a game, you figure that's a bonus. I mean, a single basket. And I just, uh, I just think that uh, I think you'd be better off with a – with a guy that can just get red hot out there like uh, like Griffin can do. Yeah, Williams is playing 21 minutes a game, averaging just under three points a game, but only shooting 33% from the field and 17% from the three-point range. Uh, the Kofi-Georgie minutes are just about equal, 26 a game for mm -hmm. Kofi, 25 a game for Georgie. But uh, I'm with you. I think Georgie looks more comfortable when he's down low. And that way he doesn't have to handle the ball out front. He's had some turnover issues out there. Um, but, again, I guess it's a work in progress. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's the difficulty with this team has always been trying to get the pieces to fit together when you've got some pretty good players at each position, but how do you fit them and make them work together? And they don't have they haven't had what I would call a real playmaking guard, which is what you see with Michigan and Simpson, it's what you see with Winston, it's what you see with Cowan at Maryland. You know, these guys are all they're all looking to set up the other guy all the time. And Illinois doesn't have a player that is adept at that. I'm not saying they're not trying to set up the other players. It's just there's, there isn't anybody on this team that's really adept. Now, every now and then we'll see uh, – we saw uh, Felice come up with six assists in one game. And then we saw Iowa in the last game came up with five or six assists. So it, it, it can happen, but it's not something that we can count on. One of the more steady guys, even though he's not shooting as well as he'd like and as well as we think he might before the season is out, is Trent Frazier. And you look at his – Assist to turnover ratio, 34 to 13. Assist to turnover. He just does not turn the ball over much. And I, I like he, it more and more with the ball in his hands. Well, he's real careful, but, you know, he's not creating a lot. But he, he is real careful. And I that's really good. That's a quality that you can certainly use. I We saw Maryland last night against, you know, when uh, at Iowa when they're making those turnovers, and they just kill you. If you you got to get a shot when you get the ball. you got to get a shot. We are off and rolling on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are at courtside here at the State Farm Center. It was pretty noisy in here during the uh, shoot-around, pretty quiet in here now. We hope it gets back to noisy about 11 o'clock. Hopefully the weather won't keep people away. The uh, crowd could be uh, a key component in this uh, ball game for the Fighting Illini, Illinois, and Rutgers. Phone line is open, 356-9397-814. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Stay with us here on DWS. Join us after Saturday Sports Talk this morning at 9.30, Illini Game Day with Scott Beatty. And at 11 o'clock from State Farm Center, Illinois hosting Rutgers today. Welcome back to Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, Orlando Antigua visiting with us ahead of today's game against Rutgers. Didn't have much time to celebrate that Wisconsin win, did you? Uh, no, no, no. You actually, uh, when you're in conference play now and, and you're playing in the toughest conference in the country, uh, there's not much to uh, there's not much time to rest on your laurels. You gotta try to enjoy it for the moment, for the evening, and then get refocused and get the guys refocused on the next task that's coming up at hand. Because you got a quick turnaround and, and uh, a couple of days preparation for a tough Rutgers team is playing really really good right now. And, and uh, you know that's that's what's great about you know big time basketball and playing in the Big Ten. It's what these kids when we go out on the road recruiting. It's what we talk to them about. Um, playing on the stage, playing against pros every night, and how every night each game is going to be uh, tough, competitive. It's going to come down to a couple of possessions, and, and uh, you know we're living it out now and holding true to, to the things that we talked to them about on the, on the recruiting trails. We'll talk about Rutgers in just a moment, but back to that game a little bit. Uh, what did you learn about your guys in that game? Um, we, uh, we executed really well in a tough environment against a really disciplined team who capitalizes on your mistakes. And, you know, we, we battled, we battled, we battled, we stuck around, stuck around, and were finally able to, to take the lead going down the stretch when it was closing time. And, and you know, obviously our guys made, made some key plays in the I.O., uh, making some really, really great reads, passing the ball. Georgie defensively, uh, a couple of things that he did down there, taking a big charge, and then the last play, Mozgov. And then Allen getting the last last loose ball rebound, which, we, you know, we, we need it. When you, you know when you're on the road and, and you're not getting to the free throw line as much as you would like to, um, 
you have to be the most aggressive guy, most most aggressive team on the court. And I think down the stretch we showed that. Lando, I want to talk to you about recruiting. You were a star in the Bronx. Yes. You played for the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> yeah. I see New York in your background as well as a Dominican. Uh, five players on this team from I, that I would call New York background, if you count Holy Cross, yes. which is in New York. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, what is it about your connection that's made this possible? Well, it's just, um, you know, rec- the recruiting world is, is based on relationships and I've been blessed and fortunate to have relationships all across the country. Obviously, my native roots have grown up in New York. Um, those relationships back in the East Coast are a lot more solid than they would be in the Midwest or the West Coast um, and all over the globe because, you know, obviously, uh, having benefited from playing professionally all over, uh, playing with the Globetrotters, you got you get those connections and relationships all over the world as well. Uh, but it just so happens that the needs that we've had, there have been players in those positions um, coming from the East Coast, and we've been able to utilize relationships to get there. You know, um, my relationship is just the initial contact, but the opportunity, the university, uh, Coach Underwood's record of coaching guys and success and the way he coaches, all those things come, come into factor. I mean, obviously, the initial part of it, it's, it starts from being able to have a relationship with people and be able to talk to them. But... You know, the reputation of the school, the reputation of the city, the reputation of the fans, the reputation of the conference. Those are all things that we're able to sell and, and talk to them about. And now we see another one coming along in Curbelo, who's uh, at Long Island, Lutheran, mm-hmm. and, and he's got a background, what, Puerto Rico? Yes. You've got some, I mean, you've got contact both places. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He, Tell us about, what were your contacts in order to, to recruit him? I've known his uh, his dad and I uh, grew up playing again, playing uh, on the same team in Puerto, oh, really? in Puerto Rico uh, as 14 and 15 year olds in the summers. That makes a difference. That it? makes a big difference. <laughs> and so knowing his family and and um, having watched his development early on as a freshman when he came and uh, I stopped over at Luhai because Luhai usually has a lot of good players and early on uh, keeping my eye on him and, and seeing his growth and his development and and building that relationship, and then again having an opportunity because you know it, it, it has to make sense, it has to fit. It's just not recruiting players just to recruit players, um, but if they're they're the right character, they fit what we what we're looking for, and then there's an opportunity, then you try to make all those points, and, and hopefully they they see the benefits of coming to a university like Illinois and the academic uh, reputation of it, and as well as you know being able to to play in the State Farm and, and have you know the fan support that we have here. Did you have a similar background on Kofi at all? Um, didn't play with his uh, any particular of his family, but his mentors um, were guys that I played against. They played with the Jamaican national team, um, guys that I played against in the park and in, in, in different uh, uh, tournaments growing up in the city. So those relationships were older and, and, and uh, long developed. And so, again, you get an opportunity to see him as a freshman and you make note, yeah, he's a big kid. You know, got to keep keep an eye <laughs> on him. Yeah. And then uh, to see his growth and his maturing, and then you start projecting, um, you know, what your needs are and, and how you can help them develop, how you can help them get to the next level, how you can help them grow and stretch them, and, and then try to communicate that through, through the process. Give us your assessment of Kofi through 16 games. Has he exceeded expectations? Um, you see, I, I've got higher expectations of him because um, I've seen how much he's grown. Uh, we're pleased with where he's at now, um, but we, we, we know there's, there's still so much more that he hasn't tapped into. Uh, 
you know, he's got to continue to run more. Uh, now that the, the competition has improved and the level is higher, we need to see him dominating the glass a little bit more. Um, defensively, he, 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 can, he can impact the game with his presence and his shot blocking ability. We need to see more of that. Um, one of the things that he hasn't shown as much is his ability to pass the ball uh, and be able to shoot the ball extended. So those are areas of his games that are going to continue to develop that he'll be able to show. Have you had to remind him where he's from? He's from Jamaica. Those guys all can run, right? Yeah, and he runs. He can run. He can run. And he, he's quick to let you know that he can run. We just need him to do it more consistently. <laughs> do you? Uh, how often do you play the Globetrotter uh, card? You know what? I play for the Globetrotters. Does that work with these young guys? No, I don't. They play it up to it. They start, you know, joking around with it. Uh, but, um, you know. That's long gone. These wheels are all, they, they got too much tread on these wheels to bring those things up long. Well, you don't have too much tread to get out and recruit. I, mean, I, it's amazing. I don't know, we've never had this many players from out of the country and from the New, New York, New Jersey area. Yeah. It's amazing what's happening. These used to be all Illinois players. Yeah, yeah. We well, go you, back to Lou Henson. I know that, and, and, you know, we're still very much wanting to recruit the state and, and locally. Um, it just so happens that for the needs that we had, as we were trying to, you know, turn the program around and the players that we needed to get, um, we had to go to different places and utilize our different relationships. I know, you know, now that uh, we're, we're continuing to, to recruit some younger guys and, and we're going to go everywhere we need to go to, f to get the right fit for the school, the program, and where we're, where we're at at that point. Outside of Michigan State, Rutgers is playing as well or better than anybody in the league. What makes them so good? Well, I mean, you just look up and down. They're, they're, they're a team very similar to us in terms of their growth and development and their additions. Um, those guys last year played a lot of minutes. They were freshmen, sophomores. They're a little bit older, more physically mature. Um, they added a great fifth-year transfer that's a, a matchup problem at the three and the four in, in Yoba. So um, they've gotten older. They've gotten more physical. And, um, you know, they play really hard and, and they're well coached. So, you know, to see them on a six-game six winning streak coming in here, you know, it's, it's understandable. Two physical teams that play really hard, that defend, that crash the boards. And so it should be a fun Saturday. But you got to protect the home court. You have to protect the home court, and particularly in conference play. It's so difficult to win on the road, which is why the Wisconsin game was such a big, big thing. And, and but. Yeah, you got to protect home. You, you got to you got to be able to take care of the home court and, and hopefully uh, and try to sneak one or two on the road. And you know we've got one, but we got to take care of home. Appreciate your time. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. That's Illinois basketball assistant coach Orlando Antigua, and as we talked about uh, in that interview, Lauren, he, he gets all over the place uh, recruiting, and uh, that's quite a niche he has found with that uh, New York, New Jersey area. He's got. Incredible background. When you consider that he played in Puerto Rico, he's a Dominican Republic. He's 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 been involved with those teams in those places, and then he goes to New York. He's he was a star in the Bronx. He was a top basketball player as a high school player in the Bronx, so he grew up there. And then he played for the Harlem Globetrotters, which is Harlem is New York. I mean, of course they're they're all over, but nevertheless, everything there's kind of tied in with New Jersey, New York. And uh, the foreign players, and that's where Illinois is right now. 
And I was kind of kidding him on, on playing that Globetrotter card, but uh, you, you got to do that. They've got several teams. People know that they've got more than one team that plays around, but it's still the Harlem Globetrotters. But but the thing is, if you played with the father of Cabello, exactly. now you're in the door. Yeah. You know, and, and does Illinois need a point guard? They lose two guards probably after the end of this year. So, yes. And you need, and we need a playmaker desperately. And you're like me. You watch uh, some of the video when it comes up on uh, social media of uh, him, some short uh, uh, areas of his ball game and his games. And boy, he, he does handle the ball. Yeah, he's he does distribute. He's a lead pipe cinch to be a starting point guard for Illinois next year. You I heard like it here first. Well, I don't think first. I think, I think <laughs> it's been already said. But, I mean, it's been said by somebody a lot more important to this team than me, including the head coach. <laughs> exactly. He told me, he said, I know one starter next year, period. Well, he knows more than that. But, uh, well, that's right. But, I mean, he, I mean, this can't wait for Cabello to get here. He's just the right guy. And, and you know, Underwood thinks he, he, Underwood thinks he's the best guard in the country right now, high school. That's saying quite a bit. We, yes, uh, it is. Hitting the uh, bottom of the hour, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. 30 minutes in the books. we got another hour here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, feel free. Then our game day coverage continues and uh, begins with Illini game day here at Courtside. And then uh, the network pregame show, the network broadcast, postgame show, and postgame call-in show all ahead right here on DWS. We'll take a break and have more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk from the State Farm Center. Stay with us. It's Fighting Illini Women's Basketball, a busy time at State Farm Center at 2 o'clock Sunday. Illinois hosting the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Women's action here on DWS. And men's action today, 11 o'clock here at the State Farm Center. The Illini and Rutgers in Big Ten basketball. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We indeed are courtside at the State Farm Center in anticipation of this game today. Happy to welcome back to the program Holly Stalkup. You remember Holly? A lot of folks uh, certainly know Holly and uh, know the name of uh, a gal who was involved heavily for many years in uh, U of I athletics and events like this and uh, football games at uh, Memorial Stadium. She was uh, the event uh, management director. She has a similar kind of job now on a a bit bigger scale, bigger stage. Holly is on the line with us from uh, New Orleans this morning. Holly, good morning. Good morning, guys. You're doing okay, I would guess. Uh, busy, I would say. Holly is now the director of stadium and game operations for the college football playoff championship game at Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. That game coming up Monday night, LSU and Clemson. I know it uh, may take a while, but kind of describe what the director of stadium and job operations means in your title. What, uh, what all follows or falls under your umbrella, so to speak? Yeah, you name it. Anything that occurs or happens at the stadium uh, falls under me. So uh, as you mentioned, I, I have been gone for about nine months, and uh, it started with every month we take a trip to New Orleans, and we're here for a couple days doing site visits and you know, I'm immersed into the stadium with their staff and our vendors and um, team, team movements inside the stadium. I'm the lead contact for ESPN and all studio and production needs as it relates to the stadium. Um, and then, you know, come game time, I, I'm losing track of days, but I think I've been here since December 31st um, in New Orleans. And so it's just you're getting the stadium ready, as you know. Um, the Saints were playing in a wild card game, so we had to wait 
uh, until after that game was complete. And then Sunday morning we come in, tear all that out, and we've been building uh, the Superdome for about a week uh, from signage to field painting just finished up yesterday um, to locker room uh, set up to you name it, load-ins, deliveries that come in. Um, We're just managing all that and keeping everything moving. And we start pageantry rehearsals tomorrow, so everything from national anthem checks to halftime uh, checks to the post-game rehearsal. So you name it, whatever happens in the stadium, uh, myself and my team are taking care of that. How big is your team? (laughs) My team is small. It is myself and my intern, Kelly. Wow. Uh, but I'm fortunate. Yeah, right? Um, I bring in about 18 volunteers uh, throughout the country that work in college athletics. Um, they're great at what they do, so I bring them in to assist us. But um, the college football playoff is actually small. There's only 16 of us full-time uh, and a great group of six interns that help us. So we really rely on our uh, volunteers that come in and help um, and our awesome vendors that we work with, not only here in New Orleans but around the country that come in and help us. Holly, this is Lauren. We got bad weather here today. Does it uh, is it oh. is it is it a uh, advantage to have an indoor facility that you're working with there? Well, kind of, but you know we're under a tornado watch here in New Orleans, <laughs> um, and so not only do we have the game here, but we also um, do a whole concert series um, outside. Uh, three days of concert series that start today with. A-list headliners as Tim McGraw. And so the tornado uh, activity is not helping us. Um, a lot of those things, we had to tear down a lot of tents overnight. Um, really? From my end of the stadium, yeah, ESPN compound. Um, just to give you an idea, ESPN coverage here, as far as cameras go, is bigger than the domestic side of the Super Bowl. So as you can imagine, that's a huge setup that we have here uh, in a footprint. So we actually had to take down some stuff um, that was built because of the weather um, expected to come in. And the weather you're getting is maybe going to affect my family coming to the game. <laughs> uh, my mom and dad are heading this way, so they might get some trouble coming this way as well. How many cameras do they have for the game, for all those reviews that uh, you have to have? Yeah, so we're at like over 225 cameras. Um, and so there are anything from your normal stationary cameras to um, cameras on the pylons now to cameras on the official hat to, you know, cameras wow. over the bands, locker rooms. I mean, you name it, there's probably not a space we're missing in the Superdome that doesn't have some sort of ESPN camera on it right now. Um, GoPros, even though we're in an enclosed stadium, the blimp and an um, airplane is going to be up there capturing footage as well and seeing the teams come through the city and escort spots. Uh, make their arrival at the stadium do they have any time to work out prior to the prior to the game so the they don't have the super yeah they don't have the superdome we give them uh, the option for a team visit so they're welcome to come um kind of walk around the superdome take their team picture um, but right now they've been working out um at the saints indoor facility and over at tulane university we're visiting with holly Stalkup, formerly on the staff here at the u of i u of i graduate as a matter of fact and uh, now is the um, stadium and game operations director for the college football championship game in New Orleans. A lot of your work, obviously, Holly, and you're based in Dallas, right, Dallas area? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, the college football playoff out of Dallas, um, good location for us just because uh, we fly, again, to our sites. Not only the year we're in, but we're actually going two years out making visits. So we're on the road quite a bit. So there's a lot of prep work, obviously, in what you do, but once the – once you get to game day, what's your 
you, you can only anticipate because this will be your first national championship game in this job, but you've been in other other events. But what when you get to game day, what what are you hoping for? Uh, obviously, everything's not going to go smoothly. You're going to have things come up, but you can only you can only get uh, prepared to a certain extent. Then you just got to let things happen, right? That is true. Yeah, you know, I think it's a big thing that's going to be hard for us is just getting everyone in, hopefully on time and in safe. Again, we're looking at bad weather on Monday. Um, we have a local home team favorite in the game as well. So there are going to be a lot of people around. So uh, my hope is that we get everyone in uh, in time early so they can enjoy the um, festivities and pageantry that takes place prior to the game. Um, but, I, you know, all my training at Illinois of being at football and being in the command center, um, it's going to be the same thing here on game day. Um, so I'll kind of be monitoring everything from above, um, watching transportation, all our special guests, um, escorts. I mean, as you can imagine, we move so many motor coaches. We have anywhere from ESPN VIPs to teams to other escorts we provide. And so it's really a big puzzle piece and just making sure everything is running smoothly and all the pieces fit together. And, of course, we want to put on a great um, championship for our student athletes that are coming and all uh, the fans um, coming to visit this uh, city and the stadium. So you're right, on game day, I hope I get to sit back and everything runs smoothly, but I'm sure things will pop up. Um, again, only being on the job on nine months, I'm trying my best to learn everything. And um, But I think we're prepared, and the city has done a great job of helping us get ready, so we're ready to put on a great show. Is there any scenario where a game played indoors would be affected or held up or disrupted at all by outdoor weather? Um, you know, it, it shouldn't be, no. The only thing could be maybe we would get folks into the stadium earlier, but we're right. not looking at um, hopefully that impacting our game or anything. So if you had to say right now what your biggest challenge is going to be on game day, what would it be? Well, I, I can't go into too much detail, but we do have a special guest, and it's out there. It appears oh, my gosh. Um, might be making an appearance at our game. So as you can imagine, nine months of planning kind of may have taken a change in the last week. So <laughs> yeah. um, I think that will uh, keep me on my toes for the next couple of days. But, um, you know, again, all myself, my staff, and the whole college football playoff staff has done a great job of anticipating things that we may not expect and we're ready to roll with anything that happens how many secret service people do you have coming in there ahead of time i don't know if i can answer if they're listening but there are a lot (laughs) (laughs) okay well i will say this the president draws a crowd wherever he goes one way one way or another well, we didn't yeah, actually yeah. say that we were talking about the president. Well, you know? he said it. He's, he said he's going, so I didn't like um, breaking did. any news here. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, it is an official statement, so I was okay saying that. So um, as of right now, yeah, they, uh, he is planning to attend our game, so we are just preparing to make sure it's a safe environment um, for not only um, the president but all those that attend. With the, uh, the weather issues and some outside events over the weekend, Will, will they be affected by that? Do you have to uh, keep an eye on the weather and, and maybe, uh, you know, halt those at a certain time? Oh, for sure. Especially today, we start um, our tailgate um, activities outside. And um, usually a lot of that is focused around the stadium, but we just don't have the footprint uh, around the stadium today. So uh, a lot of that is taking place over um, 
by the river about a mile away from the stadium. So um, they've had to push back the start times of some of those activities today. Um, it looks like tomorrow will be a better day because, um, again, we um, have a 5K race tomorrow, full day of A-list um, concert series, tailgate activities outside. Um, so we're just adjusting as we go. Um, our vendors are great at, you know, removing stuff, building it back up. Um, so people are ready, but um, it's going to be an adjustment. But I think what I've heard, Bourbon Street doesn't close. So I think everyone <laughs> will still be out and about uh, having a good time in New Orleans. Holly, good to talk to you. We appreciate uh, you taking some time. I know it's a busy, busy time for you, but uh, I was just thinking about you and thought it'd be kind of interesting to hear how things have been going for you. Well, I appreciate it. I miss seeing you guys today, but good luck to the INI. Uh, as you said, I'm a graduate and work there, so always a fan. So good luck to the team today. Good deal. We'll talk Thanks, to you Holly. soon. Thanks, Holly. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Holly Stalkup, the uh, Director of Stadium and Game Operations for the college football playoff. As you heard her say, she's based in the Dallas area and has been uh, working at uh, the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome site off and on for basically all nine months as she's been there going back and forth. It is 843. Phone line is open now if you'd like to uh, join us, 356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. I've talked uh, to you before about uh, the Lifestyle Series at Illini Pella. You ought to check those out if you're at all thinking about new windows or doors for your home. Pella has created Lifestyle wood windows and patio doors to provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency all at an amazing value. Most styles are available with the triple pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. Pella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency. Plus, you can personalize solutions for each room in your home with available product packages. With the Pella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style. And with many colors, finishes, grill pattern options, you'll find the Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors just the right ones to complement your home and your budget. Stop by and see them at 1001 North Country Fair Drive, the Pella Window Store. Give them a call at 356-6474 in Champaign or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Say hi to Mike Mary and the gang at the Pella Window Store. Illini Pella, the Pella Window Store and proud sponsor of this particular program. We'll take a break and be back with more on Saturday Sports Talk after this. Join us for the Brand Underwood Radio Show Monday night. We'll take a look back at the weekend action. Look ahead to the week ahead with the coach at Papa Dill's Pizza Factory, Monday at 7. 8.47 on Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Pella. The phone line open, 356-9397. you have any thoughts on uh, this game today? Anything else on the uh, sports calendar that might be on your mind? Feel free to jump in here and join us. Illinois lost apparently lost a football coach uh, this week as Austin Clark has reportedly been hired by the Miami Dolphins of the NFL to coach outside linebackers. The uh, college football coaches convention is always kind of tied in around the uh, national championship game. So uh, Lovey Smith's itinerary just uh, changed a little bit with uh, now having an opening on his staff, Lauren. Yeah, we, we uh, saw Kent uh, Brown and he was talking to to Lovey in his office, and I guess and Lovey had several calls while he was there, and he had five previous, so he had seven contacts already. And and uh, Kent said this will change, or Lovey has told Kent this will change what his trip to the uh, coaches' convention is like because he'd be doing interviews the whole time on on this job. 
and Austin Clark, not quite yet 30 years old. Yeah. So that's probably a move that uh, I don't, I'm not so sure in the same conversation with Kent, I'm not so sure that Austin was actually out there looking for a job. I think uh, this just kind of fell in his lap, so to speak. And he's got a good reputation, doesn't he? He does. And he's but boy, a, his recruiting is the thing that, that, uh, that we're going to miss. I mean, not that he's not a good coach, but my goodness, uh, what he's done. He's brought in five new guys just in the last couple of weeks. I mean, the, in the last month, five new players, of uh, uh, defensive linemen who are going to be. And he's the guy that brought in the three, helped bring in the three guys from uh, USC last year that have been a, a big contributors to this team. And he's uh, he's been very energetic and, and he's been involved in a lot of key uh, recruiting. He is a Florida native, even though he went to uh, – college in California at Cal so I'm guessing if, uh, if a team like the Miami Dolphins gives you a call you you listen for sure and yep. uh, so but you know uh, when we we talked to Orlando Antigua about relationships mm -hmm. he had relationships at USC had relationships at Cal he he knows the California situation and and uh, Illinois has gotten some key players from there and might have you know and, and I'm sure we're stood in good stead to maybe add to those, but now that he's gone, it isn't going to help. A lot of coaches moving around this time of year, obviously, uh, head coaches, and that affects assistant coaches. It affects whole staffs in some cases. Uh, you know, when a head coach like Mike Leach takes off from Washington State to Mississippi State, uh, how many coaches see, are involved in that? You did know? you see he got off the plane and, and waved a cowbell? I did. I mean, how smart is he? <laughs> I don't think I mean, he's got a law degree, Steve. There's no other coach that's got. A, there's no other head football coach in America that's got a law degree. Well, he's smart, but I'm guessing he didn't really want to do that. But uh, oh well, that, I don't that's know. Not really, he seems to enjoy that well, kind of stuff. I don't know. He didn't. He didn't have much of a smile on his face. It was like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to do this. Well, for 30 feet as I walk off this plane, there. I know. But he's but, an interesting guy. No oh, doubt. beyond interesting, he's just weird sometimes. <laughs> He'd be. He'd be fun to cover, but it'd, it'd probably be a pain to cover him too. Did you read the story about the players that uh, that had a staff that had staff meetings with him, and they he would come in to talk about the football game and talk about what they're going to do strategic, and then somebody would bring up something off the wall, a movie or just a, a book or or any, and, and the next thing you know, he'd talk for fifteen or twenty minutes about a subject completely off what he intended to do, and everybody knew that they could get him off subject. <laughs> I, I'll never forget when I was in high school, we had a guy, had a, had a history teacher by the name of J.K. Phelps. And if somebody would bring up something in the first 15 minutes of an hour sh uh, an hour class, you could get him distracted and he would talk about the whole rest of class. <laughs> we, we, we could talk sports the rest of class if you get him going. Once you got him going, he'd never get back to the, the original part of the of the work we're but supposed the problem to is he probably never tested you on any of those conversations did he? <laughs> he was a good guy he was a good guy but that's a long time ago but this this guy's the same way i mean you, you he just he, he flies in all different directions leach i'd love to see him here i just think that'd be terrific but he's had success wherever he's been and, and he did a job at washington state that nobody else could have done i think yeah that surprised me a little bit that move i'm not surprised yeah. that he left no i surprised me too but well, to the SEC, but uh, and he'll go head to head with Lane Kiffin, who is in the SEC as well. So it, it'll be interesting to, to to follow that if you're a college football fan. Well, twenty-seven and four, Steve. Yes, sir. Twenty-seven and four. Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, the the game last night was a rout at Iowa. Why? For one reason, they had the home court. We're talking Big Ten home court advantage. The home team has won twenty-seven. 
and lost just four times so far. We're early so far. in. Yeah. Five conference games for most and uh, going on six today for uh, Illinois. And a win would uh, give them their fourth win at four and two. And a win would also equal last year's total win number of 12. That's right. On the season. Well, this is definitely a better team, but boy, we're going to have some dog fights. Every, every game is going to be a dog fight. And here we're playing a, a Rutgers team today. Their, their shooting percentage from the field is 47%. That's the same as Illinois. Their shooting percentage from three is 30%. That's the same as Illinois. These these teams are very similar. Uh, the, I think the, the, the big difference, if there is a difference, the advantage that Illinois has is that Geo Baker's hurt, and he's their number two player. Ron Harper, the son of the, of the great uh, Chicago Bulls player who played back there in the day with – with, you know, when they had all those championships, Ron Harper uh, Jr. is averaging 12 points a game and six rebounds, and and he's been hot lately. He's been he's been getting he's been moving those points up lately. Well, you look at a team like uh, Nebraska, that is not projected very That's highly right. in the Big Ten. Yet they they knocked off Purdue at home. They knocked off Iowa at home, so they've got a couple of of good wins there. So it's my point is, going there is not going to be no bargain for anybody. Oh, no. Uh, obviously, it's going to be hard to win on the road anywhere. I mean, it's just it's just a, a, the most amazing statistic that, you know, I, I don't remember anything like this. I know that there's always been an advantage, but it, I think that at one time we thought it might be a four- to six-point edge. Now it's 10 to 15. It's just ridiculous. Well, the rest of the month, Michigan State, who has only played one road game so far, they played their second one. Tomorrow, one road game in the Big Ten. They play the second one. At Northwestern, by the way. Yes, and they play at Purdue tomorrow. But they've got three of the next four on the road. They play at Purdue. They play Wisconsin at home. They play at Indiana and at Minnesota back-to-back. So that, Those are teams that, that Michigan State can beat on the road. Yeah, they are. but the, Minnesota and, and Indiana. And it might be the schedule coming back to them a little bit. Then they have to play uh, next month at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Illinois, at Nebraska and at Maryland, all in the month of February. It's going to change. So, uh, and by the way, the home court will cease to be such an advantage at some point. It just can't continue at this rate. We know that. It just can't. But right now, uh, you know, we hope to ride it at least uh, two tonight or today for sure. And uh, I, I, the, inter- the, the, the thing about this Rutgers team, I'm just looking at their stats. They've got – after uh, Ron Harper, he averaged 12 points a game. They don't have anybody else in double figures other than uh, Geo Baker, who's not supposed to play. But they've got one, two, three, four, five, five guys averaging between seven and ten points, seven, seven and nine point seven. So you don't know where it's going to come from. You, you, all these guys are capable, but they're not high scores. But they're they're all contributors. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you'd like to join us in this ball game. Gets underway at 11 o'clock right here on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. Brian Barnhart and Dion Thomas will be on the call for this one. Illinois, about a five-point favorite coming in. And we talked about it early in the show, uh, how big that win was at Wisconsin. We watched it. You and I watched it on, on TV and watched the TV coverage there. And I never get too wrapped up on whether or not a TV announcer is leaning one way or the other because I know they don't. But sometimes it. It may sound that way to your team. I think, mm-hmm. you know, 
everybody's unhappy with the announcers at some point. Well, everybody like knows. Like the officials. Everybody knows that uh, Dockage hates everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the, the other night, the, the only thing that I would criticize the guys the other night was they mentioned that 15-game losing streak to How Wisconsin about <laughs> – 10,000 too many times, but uh, yeah, it's a fact, and yeah, it's over. That's great, but uh, I thought they kind of overdid that. We got a guy working the play-by-play on TV today by the name of Jeff Levering. Uh-huh. You know where he was last night? He was working the Iowa game. He was in Iowa. That game ended about a little after 8, right around 8. He had to get, in this weather, he had to get from Iowa to here for a morning game. He's lucky that uh, this is rain and not snow. Yeah, yeah. But I, I wouldn't think it'd be any fun driving through it, but but uh, that's that's a tough you know that's a tough trip. Let's go to the phones. Our friend Marty in Pinehurst, North Carolina, is with us. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. How art thou today? Good. You're going to have a tough game. Pikel's a good coach. It's a hard-nosed team. It's going to be a dogfight. We with expect that said, it. Oh yeah, it's it, they're all going to be that way, Lauren. I have. I don't have your years. I'm about 20 years younger, but I have never seen the league this tough on the road so far. These someday these teams are going to figure out what a road environment is, and uh, and adjust. I I think I think you're right about that. But right now it's tough. Well, but Maryland didn't stuff. figure it out last night. <laughs> that was a route. You know, Maryland. You know, they get they got beat at Penn State too. They they haven't won a true road game yet. I don't believe. If I heard the Big Ten Network right, they haven't won a true road game yet this year. So, you know, they've had difficulties. But on to another subject that I don't think you've discussed yet this morning. Uh, The trade the Cardinals made, Steve and Lauren, what's your thinking on it? Steve? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm in favor of it because I like getting a good, strong left-hander, and I think the Cardinals got enough young outfielders, and, you know, it's tough to pay Jose. Good hitter. Uh, Jose's a good hitter. He belongs in the American League, and and uh, he can DH and uh, in the in the American League, and he can't do that in the National League except on a few occasions. Uh, so I, I I just think it's 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 a good move, but I don't think that the Cardinals are done, and I think what happens next will determine how far they go this this coming season. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. I you can't have too much pitching, and I think this guy, even though you're not going to see him for a couple of years, he's. Uh, couple of years down the road as a prospect but he's a six foot six inch left-hander that uh, is in the top 30 or 40 of all major league prospects really well. so in mid 90s yep yep now the arenado deal is it arenado or are they going to do a pillow deal and bring ozuna back for one year until people get ready which way is it going to go well ozuna's not going to come back for one year is he i don't, I don't <laughs> well, think so no. getting, it's down to texas and st louis and I don't know how serious Texas is because they're also looking at uh, Castellanos that the Cubs had. Yep. And if if he doesn't get anyone else offering, he might come back for one year to try to have a good year and bring his value up. You never know. Because those are the only two things I see happening right now, unless they trade for someone that I'm not aware of. I think they give. I think they would give Ozuna two, maybe even three years. I don't think they would. He'd he'd want more than that, but I don't think they would give him four at this point. Um, I don't think they'll give him more than – I think they're waiting for him to come for one, Steve. I really do because they've got too many young outfielders still left. But, well, the next time we have Bernie on, we'll ask him. And uh, You realize might... they had until yesterday – until yesterday, they had nine outfielders for three positions. Now right. they have seven outfielders for three positions. 
I mean, they still have too many. And that's not counting. They still have top prospects, not including that list. They're in the minors. They're outfielders. So they still have too many. Now, All right, I'll Marty. Another, I'll let go. you go because I know you've, you're tied for a commercial probably. Well, probably are. We are. Right? We're a little bit short on time because of the uh, – game day uh, pregame coverage, but uh, we appreciate hearing from you at all times. Thanks, all right. Marty. All right. Bye-bye. We're heading to uh, 9 o'clock, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, the first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk in the books. We've got 30 more minutes. Stay with us. We're back with more after this. Hi, this is Taylor Spellman from Arcola High School. Catch up on high school sports with Colin Likas on the News Gazette and NewsGazette.com. Moving up on 9.03, Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We are courtside here at the State Farm Center. Ed Bond is here as well. We're just about uh, two hours away from game time. Illinois and Rutgers, one of four Big Ten games on the Saturday schedule. Two more scheduled for tomorrow as we uh, are halfway through January just about here. Rutgers in Illinois today. Ohio State is at Indiana, Wisconsin at Penn State, Nebraska at Northwestern, all those games today. And then tomorrow, Michigan State at Purdue and Michigan at Minnesota. Things will start sorting themselves out, some we think, but we've talked about the home court advantage and what that's uh, meant so far to uh, the, the home court teams. And hopefully, from Illinois' standpoint, uh, we hope that uh, stands up today. Steve, I can't even guess how this is going to go. Ohio State. Just a few weeks ago, was number in, in the top five in the country, and all of a sudden, we look up at the standings today, and Ohio State is 13th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten standings. I mean, this is Ohio State, right? I mean, they, they just we thought they were a, a national contender a few days ago, and so th- that's just one example. We could go through the whole league like that, and nobody knows what what's going to happen other than. We have to see what, what Michigan State does now that they're finally on the road and we'll see how they do on the road because they haven't proven anything yet on the road. Yeah, Ohio State uh, was 1-3 and three in the league, and then they play at Indiana today, so that's another tough one for them. And they were ranked as high as number two in the country not that long ago. Brian Barnhart will call the game, as always, on the uh, Fighting Illini Sports Network with Deion Thomas. Today, Brian's in the house. You were in the in the building early this morning, weren't you? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was here for the shoot-around because that's when we do our pregame interviews. Right. And so they actually shortened it up a little bit. They normally start, if it's a 7 o'clock game, they would start shooting about 145 and then be done by 3 because they always eat four hours before the game. I mean, that's every time. It's 7 o'clock game, eat at 3. So before I came, I said, okay, now 11 o'clock game, are we really going to be up at – 5.30 in the morning, yeah. and no. So they shortened it. I think they did some of their work yesterday and then did some of the basic walkthrough this morning with the scouting reports on Rutgers. And and so we did an interview with Coach at uh, a little before 7. Well, a lot of teams, uh, most teams, I think, these days still practice later in the day, but Illinois does practice in the morning, so that might help them on a game like this. You'd like to think that anyway. You would think so. I asked Brad what time he gets up. He said 5.30 every day. Yeah. So he said this was no big deal. How did they stop Harper? He plays a four. They've got him moving around. He's going to be really hard to handle. Uh, in fact, Brad said this is a, a real challenge on how to stop Ron Harper from scoring. How do you see them doing this? Well, it was interesting because they emphasized him a lot uh, in the shoot-around is about forcing him to go one way or the other, you know, not letting him 
because they tend to seal off down low, and then if he gets around, he will attack the rim. So trying to get him to, I think, go more, uh, you know, the other way, I think is the thing that they're trying to do to make him uncomfortable. Can Georgie cover him? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, that's – What else could they do? Could they, <laughs> could they put Williams on him? I mean, is there is there any uh, solution to what – I mean, he just seems stop, unstoppable uh, – and recently yeah no that's a really good question that's going to be interesting to see what they what they do with that but he is he is aggressive to the basket and it's interesting what they've done with baker being out yeah um i asked about that too and they said that really they have multiple guys that the offense runs through so even though he's not there it really doesn't change much structurally of what they do but you know uh harper is, is a player he can make shots like king made for Wisconsin, you just can't stop him. Or Weisskopf last night for uh, for Iowa, his jump shot is just murder. I mean, you can't stop it. I mean, he's, he's lanky, and, yeah. he, and he's quick, and he can get the shot off and make them. And I don't, know how, I don't know how you stop somebody like that. Coaches told me this is, for Rutgers as a whole, is similar to playing Michigan State. They don't shoot it as well as Michigan State does from outside. But the way they pound the glass – and the way they're so physical and the way they do push the ball up the floor, they're very similar in that way. Well, part of a play-by-play guy's research is to uh, to look back at the last game, which in some cases is earlier in the season, but in this case was last year here, and they played at Rutgers as well. But the game here, I remember that with Georgie scoring 35 points and the game going to overtime in, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got similar teams, uh, both really good rebounding teams, so – it might be a, a slugfest. I looked it up, too. Each team got 50 points in the paint. It was 50 to 50 Is in the paint. Right? They got that in, many. In, in I, knew, I knew we did. I didn't know they did. <laughs> and it would be interesting to see, too, because last year, Georgie became such an emphasis as the season went on. And he had 25 of his, whatever it was, 35 in the second half mm-hmm. in overtime. And I'm just curious to see how the Illinois attacks Rutgers. Do they? Because they're not using Georgie in that same role as much. Do they come up with something to attack them with him because he was so successful last year? Yeah, he was 14 for 18, I think, from the mm-hmm. field in that in that game and a very efficient game there. But his role, as you mentioned, is different now with, with Kofi here. And, and that's something that Rutgers will have to deal with uh, that they didn't see last yeah. year as a, as a man that size. Yeah, this is a good team. And I, I'd forgotten about, you know, you've, you've, games tend to run together. I mean, you guys know this. But I forgot that McConnell got 25 against us last year. And I just didn't remember right. that. And, and he was a year ago. He had 25, and Harper had 15, and Mathis had 17 in that game last year. The win at Wisconsin was obviously big in the fact that it did break that long losing streak. But is that is that Wisconsin team one of their better ones? How did you see it after you saw them in person there? I don't think it, it was not one of their great teams. Right. But they're so difficult to beat at what they do. I mean, that's how that streak got to be 15. Sure. They've had better t- – I mean, their final four teams were ridiculously good. I mean, yeah. you weren't going to beat them regardless. They were so efficient. And I just kind of got tickled at the – and I know I know why the coaches and why players, you know, these guys weren't around for all 15 of those. And I know Coach Underwood was emphasizing it was more of a road win than anything else. And he's right. He's not wrong about that. But I still was like, hey, to people like us that have seen every one of those losses – and that's all anybody wanted to talk about on any of the fan message boards or, right. you know, in, on the street talking to fans. Hey, we finally beat Wisconsin. And that meant a lot to the fans. And I think it was important to acknowledge that because it did mean something to the fans. And I realized the coaches and team weren't around for all 15, but we were. 
and it meant a lot. So it meant a lot, particularly when you look back at how how we felt after Missouri. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know, right. I mean, at least it's changed that attitude because boy, that was a letdown. It was a that big was, timer. That was a rock fight that we didn't you know have enough rocks. We didn't throw enough rocks. <laughs> you know, we got beat. And two one-point victories over Wisconsin, uh, both on the basketball field, uh, court, and football field this year. Yeah, somebody uh, overlaid, and I, I sent it to Ed, too. There's an overlay of the final game-winning kick mixed with the audio of the, the Io DeSumo shot. <laughs> somebody combined the two, and it's not garbled. and It's not too garbled. You can understand both. And I thought that was pretty cool. Did you see the overlay on the – the Sumu shot and the Michael Jordan step back three pointer. That I, uh, I didn't see that. They're very similar against Utah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Michael got a better push though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He definitely pushed off. But I don't uh, know about you guys. When he took, I I think we were up one when he took the shot, put yeah. us up four. Right. And I was thinking, okay, we need to take care of the ball and run the clock. And then he shot it, and there was just this part of me was like, oh no, what's he doing? He's shooting it too early. And then he stuck it. I mean, yeah. it was it was a big time shot. It was one of those, oh no, great shot. Yeah. <laughs> and then they hit one right back. <laughs> yeah. But he made, and Brad pointed this out. We talked to him earlier about Io had those whatever six assists, season high. I mean, he set up Trent. He set up Griffin. I mean, those were all big shots that they made. But Io made it happen. I've said this before. We made three out of 28 threes at Michigan State. We made four threes in the last four and 15 seconds <laughs> in that game. Four threes yeah. in the last four-plus minutes. And you guys know this. What it takes at Wisconsin, playing Wisconsin, if you let them get out to 10 or 12, it's almost impossible to come back. You had yeah. to keep them within seven or eight. Yeah to give yourself a chance to do what they did. Yeah, as soon as it hits double figures up there, it feels like 20. And, Kobe, and Kobe King was scaring me because he was really getting into a groove. He's a really good player. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard much about him till then. <laughs> but and, but with all of that said, they did a better job on the last in the last few minutes on him. They did. He didn't really hurt him real late. Well, and in Big Ten play, uh, Illinois' first in the conference, Big Ten play, in po fewest points allowed. And third in field goal percentage defense at 37 and a half. I mean, that, those are winning numbers. And you know what's another winning number? And it didn't play out in the last game, but free throws. Illinois is not giving up as many. I thought when Wisconsin went on the one-on-one -one with, uh, you know, half of the second half to go, I thought, oh, dear, they're going to be making a lot of free throws between here because they make them. When they get them, they make That's them. That's right. And there were times in that game where the, the actual mathematical difference between Illinois and Wisconsin was at the free throw line. Sure. We had as many field goals as they did. We had the same number of threes, and they were making more free throws. I think one of the keys today will be right from the get-go, who's got the energy for yeah. this early game? It's a yeah. noon game to, to Rutgers, to their bodies, but an 11 o'clock game here, and I think that'll be really, really big. And the other factor in that is the crowd. I wonder. It, yeah. You know, 11 o'clock football, we see it. It takes a little while to and, get going. And with the weather outside, it's not easy to come here and walk a long way to get in the, the arena. Yeah. But hopefully they'll be fired up. I think they will be fired up because of what happened the other night. I think they'll be, a, a, yeah. you know, as you guys mentioned earlier, this is a chance to be in second place. Winner gets second place. Right. Brian, appreciate it. Okay. Have a good broadcast. Keep my seat warm. We're, Thank you. We, we're warming it up for you. <laughs> okay. Brian Barnard will work the ball game with uh, Dion Thomas. It is moving up on 914. We'll take a timeout and be back with more with the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk from the State Farm Center in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly with Lauren Tate, State Farm Center. In Champaign, doors will be open here before too long. 
Hopefully a good crowd will show up today for this ball game that tips off shortly after 11 o'clock. We've got about 10 more minutes on uh, the open line segment of our pregame coverage. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397. If you want to talk about uh, this game, maybe the college football championship game, LSU and Clemson coming up Monday night, other Big Ten basketball, or the NFL playoffs, they resume today. Two games today, two games tomorrow, Lauren, in the NFL. Today's games, Minnesota is at San Francisco, 3.30 start time on that one. That'll be followed by Tennessee at Baltimore. And as you might guess, in the NFL playoffs, the home team is favored in all four of the games this weekend. So that's San Francisco, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Green Bay will be the final four, you think? Well, I'd say that's a good shot at that. Uh, San Francisco's a touchdown favorite over Minnesota. Baltimore's 10 points over Tennessee. Kansas City's almost 10, 9.5 over Houston. And Green Bay's 4.5 over Seattle in those two games tomorrow. But uh, how involved do you get in watching? Uh, oh, I'll watch them, but I just don't spend a lot of time, you know, trying to background myself on things. I'm obviously uh, interested in Green Bay. And I think Seattle is, is, is a real threat there. I, I'm sure that uh, that's, that'll be the, the best. Well, who knows what will be the best game. But that stacks up as maybe the best game of the day. Well, with New England Tomorrow. out, a lot of people are happy that uh, New England is out of the mix. Kansas yep. City might be the best remaining team in the field. San Francisco's had a good year under Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's having a, a good season. And Baltimore, <laughs> they, all they do is just win. They've, they've won a whole bunch straight. You know how many games in the course of a season in the NFL that go right down to the last two possessions? <laughs> I mean, it's it's who knows what's going to happen at that point? Who knows whether a guy's going to throw a touchdown or an interception? You just never know. This is uh, the, they've they've got balance in that in that league that's unlike any other. I think let's incredible to, balance. Let's go back to the phone. We've got a call from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ken is with us. Hey, Ken. Yeah. Um, I live in, as you know, the the uh, Oklahoma Sooner and the OSU and the Tulsa country. So all I hear about around here is is football from that aspect. I was wondering, uh, can you tell me did Lovey, and he's from Tulsa also, can you tell me if Lovey got any, any uh, um, recruits? Well, he, uh, he's got 12 recruits. Isn't that the number, Steve? Uh-huh. We got 12, and I think we're going to get 13th when, uh, when uh, at least. And then he's got about four more slots open uh, at this time, and there may be more slots open later. But right now, he's probably looking in the portal for, or he's looking in junior college and the portal for maybe an, another three or four players. And then by next summer, who knows what the situation will be? If you, if you remember last year, we got our guys from USC. We got. Uh, our quarterback Peters uh, real late in the in, it was summertime, so it's. Uh, but but here's what I'll tell you: Th- this football team this coming season is not going to be based on recruits. It's going to be based on returning. They got. A, I think now the number is 28 seniors coming back who play major roles. This is this is an all. This is being the most experienced team. We're going from the most inexperienced team when, when these uh, when these seniors were freshmen. To now, this is a, is going to be the, one of the most experienced teams in the country, and this is a this is a year they've been pointing for. So, I don't know uh, as far as recruits are concerned. I'm not thrilled with them, but as far as uh, you know, uh, as far as the, the the team is concerned, they're pretty solid. 
Well, Lauren, looking looking at the future, do you see anybody in the recruiting area that you would consider a three or a four or even maybe a five? Uh, is there anybody that I, I realize what you're saying about the future because I agree. But uh, looking, you know, a couple years down, do we have anybody uh, recruited that can stand up to those guys? I, I think that, uh, Steve, the – the future beyond this year does not look particularly good at this point. I mean, they've, they've got time to change it, but there's no reason to be excited about the long-term future because we've had weak recruiting classes the last couple of years. Yeah, one of the keys is to stack recruiting classes on top of each other in good ones, and that, that hasn't uh, been done with as much consistency as you would like to see and certainly as as the coaches would like to see, but uh, that's something to try to build on. But to answer your original question, they've got uh, 12 uh, signees at this point, and uh, they'll add some uh, junior college types for uh, help next year, and then beyond that, we'll have to see how it goes. Okay, can I sp- uh, take one minute for the game today? Sure. Well, I, I I see that, uh, that Rutgers has gotten a very good record. Uh, can we handle them today? <laughs> well, that's the question. I mean, everybody in the, is winning at home in the Big Ten. There's 27 and four, as we've said many times, and so Illinois got the advantage of the home court. Uh, Rutgers is coming off a six-game winning streak. They they beat Wisconsin, they beat Seton Hall, they beat Lafayette, Caldwell, and Penn State all at home, all at home. At Nebraska, they won one game on the road at Nebraska in these six, but Wisconsin, Seton Hall, Lafayette, Caldwell, and Penn State were all home wins. So and they did Wisconsin, huh? Yeah. Well, Wisconsin they, isn't quite as good as I thought they were either, I don't think. Wisconsin's good at home. <laughs> yeah, they beat uh, Rutgers beat Wisconsin on their home floor, on Rutgers' home floor. So, But it was still a good win. But they have won six in a row. Ken, thanks for the call. We do appreciate it. Here's Brad Underwood okay. talking a little bit about uh, today's opponent, uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Rutgers is probably playing as well as anybody in our conference. Uh, they're as deep as anybody in our our conference. They're tremendous experience. Um, I think Miles Johnson is one of the most improved players in our league, uh, from his freshman year to his sophomore campaign. Uh, they're physical. They're an extremely good rebounding team, and uh, they cause matchup problems um, with with Harper playing uh, a lot at the four spot. So, uh, it's it's a team that is. Uh, uh, came in here and they're going to play extremely hard. It was an overtime game last year, a game where Georgie was was exceptional. It took every one of those points. So I expect a uh, a little different game in terms of style of play. They're about a third of their points come in transition under 10 seconds, uh, and and Jacob Young is is elite in transition. Uh, so we've got to be good there. And then uh, you know it's 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 a it's a scrum once it goes up on the glass. So it's two top ten rebounding teams, and we're going to have to uh, do battle there. Yeah, that game last year, the score was 99-94, the Rutgers in overtime here in Champaign on February 9th. Georgie, 35 points broke Deion Thomas's freshman uh, single game scoring record, but uh, that is history. Today is a whole another day, Mr. Tate. Yeah, and it's uh, as he said. Illinois is a whole different team with Kofi in the post and Georgie playing the four, and I don't know how. I'm, I'm anxious to see how he's going to guard Harper in this game because I don't know that Georgie's the right guy for him 
But there'll be switches anyway, and they just have to be ready. The good thing is that the the guards, particularly Williams and and uh, and uh, uh, Io, are both lanky enough maybe to give him trouble on his jump shot, but he can shoot the jumper over every, over practically everybody. The Rutgers with uh, a 13-3 and record, 3-1 and in the league, and you mentioned that winning streak. They also had, had an impressive win. It was a home game earlier this week, Tuesday, against Penn State, but uh, that was a battle. It turned out to be an 11-point win for Rutgers, but Penn State's another team that uh, can surprise you and is doing very well and is nationally ranked. Yeah, well... We just got. It's all about the home court. I keep saying. I mean, I don't. I don't know how you judge these. If, if we could break down all the statistics, home and road, you'd just be shocked at how much better teams shoot at home. How much poorly, uh, how poorly teams shoot on the road. It's just a, a big difference. And uh, I, Illinois has got to be able to take advantage of that. And they've got consecutive home games here against Rutgers and Northwestern. They can get out and, and ahead of uh, in the in the. In the standings here a little bit. I mean, they won't probably pass. They're not going to pass Michigan State probably, but they can certainly be hold down uh, the second place for a while. Well, that's a numbers game. You want to get to whatever number it takes to get into the big dance. And right now, most of the bracketology folks don't have Illinois in. They've got nine Big Ten teams in. There's a couple that do. CBS Sports, I think, has a, a bracketology that has Illinois in the tournament. But that's what you want to do. And you got to win the home games to get that done. Well, I think they're ready to do it. I think that they're keyed for this game, and I think everybody realizes that uh, while we have diminished Rutgers often with our comments, Rutgers is a better team this year. That's going to take care of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on uh, this day. We've got more coverage coming your way as well, obviously, with Illini Game Day and the uh, game uh, broadcast itself all coming up on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening, everybody.